Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> All right, hour number three, final hour of our show on this Wednesday evening. Dan Grasser Show. 98.7 ESPN. Another 60, Anita Marks takes over when we are through. Been talking a lot of football, and rightfully so. Jets open the season a week from Sunday at home against the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, you hear every step of gangrene's journey right here on 98.7 all season long. And the one who covers them for ESPN is our next guest. He's my good pal. He is also... The host of the Flight Deck podcast, which you hear on the ESPN New York app. And he's got a new episode up with none other than the Jets' first first-round pick, Sauce Gardner. He's our good pal, Rich Samini. Rich, thanks for hopping on the show tonight, buddy. How are you? Thanks for having me, Dan, and congratulations to you on your new gig. Very well-deserved. Thank you very much, my friend. I appreciate the kind words wholeheartedly. Um, a lot of change over the last couple of days, which is to be expected this time of year. Um, how set do you think this Jet roster is as we get a little bit closer to game week coming up on Monday? It's pretty set, Dan. The, you know, the Jets did not make any uh, waiver claims today. They didn't have to cut anybody. They're going to put Vinny Curry on short-term IR at some point before the first game, so he'll be out four weeks as he recovers from that hamstring injury. But, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty set. I think mean, what you see right now is what you're going to see uh, against Baltimore. You know, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, they answered questions the last couple of days, or today specifically, both of them met the media. And, you know, a lot of the questions pertain to, and you know, Denzel Mims, of course, and we'll get to him in a second. But as far as the cuts and stuff were concerned, I think that, you know, a lot of the eyebrows were raised first and foremost because of the decisions there in the secondary, specifically at safety. You know, Jason Pinnock released, who then gets claimed by the Giants. Uh, and yet Ashton Davis is still on this roster. Did that surprise you the way they made some of those decisions back there? Uh, yes and no, Dan. I mean, I was obviously surprised by the Pinnock move. I mean, here's a guy who was getting, uh, you know, number two reps all summer and actually got some first-team reps when LaMarcus Joyner was out with an illness early in training camp. And, you see, you know, you thought this guy was on the ascent, uh, a former corner who was obviously learning to play the safety position. You know, wasn't there yet, we thought, but was certainly seemed to be improving. Obviously, the organization felt differently, and they cut him. And we know how GMs hate to cut their draft picks. And this was a fifth-round pick from last year. So that one did surprise me. I was not surprised that Ashton Davis made the team. Now, did he deserve to make the team? Personally, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think most Jet fans would agree. He's been a guy who really hasn't shown much in two years. But I just figured there's no way Joe Douglas is going to cut a high third-round pick from 2020. I just figured – he wasn't going to bite that bullet, and he would give him another chance, and that's exactly what happened. I, I just didn't necessarily, you know, when they also pointed to the work he does on special teams, it's like, okay, well, great, but 
you know, when you draft a guy that high, you expect him to contribute on defense more so in special teams. And going into year number three, if that's what we're still extolling, talking about what he brings to the team, then, you know, maybe it hasn't worked out necessarily. Well, someone asked Robert Sala today about why Ashton Davis made the team. And the first thing he said was, we like his character. And I was thinking, of, you know, that's like the, uh, the proverbial blind date with the good personality, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's, that's what they, you know, that's probably not the thing you want to hear if you're a player. You know, like, he's not a good tackler. I don't think his instincts are great. He takes poor angles when he's back there in the secondary. Um, but he is a really good athlete. And, you know, he was a, he, he's fairly new to football. I mean, he was a college, he was like an All-American hurdler. Yep. at Cal. So, you know, he hasn't really been focused on football for a long, long time as compared to some of these other players. So I think it's Joe Douglas, you know, not wanting to bite the bullet, like I said, and also wanting to give a guy a chance just to see if he's a late bloomer. Rich Zamini of ESPN joining us here. Dan Gross, the show, talking a little Jets football. And, you know, Denzel Mims, he's still here, despite the fact that he asked not to be here. And, and, I mean, Rich, what it comes down to more than anything, I mean, you know this, it's not that he's a bad guy, and I don't even think that he's necessarily a bad player. It's just that from the time that he was drafted, the Jets have gone out and brought in better wide receivers than him, and that's really it. Well, I agree with some of that, Dan. I mean, you're absolutely true. I mean, they drafted Elijah Moore in the second round. They drafted Garrett Wilson 10th uh, overall. So, you know, but there's a reason why they did that is because they didn't see Mims as you know, a future, a future number one receiver. So that's why they went out and made some of those moves. Uh, I was not surprised that they didn't cut him. There was no way Joe Douglas was going to cut a second-round pick. And, frankly, you know, he did okay in the preseason, in the games. I mean, he had 12 catches. He led the team in receptions. He had the good game against the Giants. But Denzel's beef is the fact that he's not starting. He wants to be a starter. He feels he has earned the starting job. Uh, that is obviously not the opinion of the coaching staff. They basically said he's, he's their fourth best wideout on the outside. And so he's not going to play on next Sunday. He probably won't even dress. He admitted that today. He doesn't expect to be active. And so he was blowing off some steam today. He clearly wanted to talk to the media. He had some stuff he wanted to get off his chest. And I thought the most damning thing he said was he thinks the coaches have, you know, pretty much had it set in, his, in their minds that he was going to be a backup no matter how well he played. So he's going to be stewing on the bench, you know, for the remainder of the season. Now, could they turn around and trade him before the deadline at midseason? Sure, they could still do that if they get an offer they think is worthwhile. But I have a feeling he's just going to be stewing on the bench this year. As far as who is the quarterback that's going to be throwing whoever the wide receivers are going to be out there, passes come week one, what does your gut tell you right now? Uh, who's going to be in that huddle week one against the Ravens? Yeah, I mean, my feeling really hasn't changed on that. I think it's, I think it's Joe Flacco. I, I just think the calendar is running out on Zach Wilson. I mean, I think it's uh, yesterday was three weeks from his uh, knee surgery, so they called it a two to four week injury. He's not practicing yet. Uh, I think next week we'll probably see him start to do stuff on the practice field. Uh, they have a practice tomorrow, a really light practice. And then they're off for three days. And so I think maybe on Monday he'll start doing some light stuff. But it's probably going to take a couple of light weeks of practice and then really one really hard week where he's getting the starter reps before he's ready to play. So the Jets have not made this official. 
I suspect they won't make anything official till you know next Wednesday, but I, I think it'll be Joe Flacco. And you know something, Rich? I was talking about this a little while ago with the callers. Like, regardless of who the quarterback is going to be, uh, the Ravens are just a horrible matchup to draw in week one of the season. You know, you, you got a bunch of new faces. Guys are still trying to get acclimated with one another. They don't play a heck of a lot of time together in the preseason anymore. And that team, that quarterback, for example, and especially the way that they can come off the edges on defense, I just think that that is a brutal, brutal first matchup to be seeing, you know, right out of the gates. Yeah, I mean, offensively, I mean, for the offense especially, uh, now they weren't a great pass rushing team last year, but they did have a lot of injuries that they had to deal with. They have a really good secondary. Uh, they played a lot of man-to-man coverage. Now they do have a new coordinator this year, of course, Wink Martindale's with the Giants, uh, but they've been traditionally a heavy man-to-man team. Uh, I think, you know, that, that could be an issue for the Jets' young receivers facing a lot of bump-and-run coverage that they haven't seen a lot of. Um, you know, they will dial up some exotic schemes probably. So it's going to be – you're right. And the Jets' offensive line has not been together a lot. They played 21 right. snaps on Sunday together against the Giants. And so there's going to be sight adjustments that they have to make on the fly. And when you haven't had a lot of time with the guy next to you, that's tough to do. So it's going to – you're right. I agree with you 100%. It's a really, really tough matchup for the Jets. I know you got – I mentioned you have the new Flight Deck episode with Sauce Gardner, and he's certainly one of the many new faces on that defense and guys that are expected to come in and, and, and you know, make a difference this year. We know that they're not going to be as bad as they were a season ago because you can't get any worse than 32nd, but how good do you right, think right. this defense could be? I think they can be pretty good. I mean, I think they could jump into, you know, I don't think they're a top 10 defense right now, but I think they could jump into the middle of the pack, which would be a dramatic improvement from last year. I think they have good players at all three levels. You talked about Sauce Gardner. I think DJ Reed's going to be a good player. He's just got to stay healthy. He's been dealing with these minor injuries pretty much all training camp. Uh, I think he'll be ready to go next Sunday. And the safety, you know, Jordan Whitehead is good. I mean, Jordan Whitehead's a good player, and I think he'll add something, especially to the run defense. And their defensive line is as deep as any defensive line in the league. They they probably have like 11 or, you know, 12 legitimate defensive linemen that they, they could roll out there. Of course, they'll probably only dress eight or nine. And so strong D-line. The linebackers are solid as long as C.J. Mosley can play as well as he did last year. So I think it's it's a lot of potential for this defense to be in the middle of the pack, which, like I said, is a, a dramatic improvement from what, like you said, 32nd, you can't get any worse. And, you know, it's going to drive the fans crazy, to your point about the defensive line, and we know that they're stacked and we know that they have the depth, and the fans want to see the main guys out there and eating up the majority of the reps and whatnot on game days, but... Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich, the way they like to run the defense, they like to keep their linemen fresh, and they're not going to tax their guys too much. So you know, Rich, it's only a matter of time before the fans are calling us on the postgame show and whatnot complaining, why doesn't this guy play more? What doesn't this guy play more? But as is life in this scheme. Totally. I mean, they Robert believed in that in San Francisco, and uh, it's just it's going to be an eight-man rotation at least. And so you're not going to see – Quinn and Williams, as good as he is, he's not going to be playing 80% of the snaps. You know, I mean, the average football game is about 60, 65 snaps. Quinnen's only going to be in there for probably 40 of them. They just believe in rotating and coming at you in waves. 
I don't necessarily agree with that all the time. I think if if you have a special player, like in San Francisco, he had Nick Bosa. Bosa played more than 60% of the snaps. I think he was up around 70, 75%. If you have a special player, I I think he should play more. The Jets coaches don't believe in that philosophy. Uh, One thing you also have to consider is the weather. You know, it's going to be really hot, I assume, early in the season. And so another reason to rotate to keep your guys fresh. But Lamar Jackson is, I mean, I'm not saying anything that's, you know, a bombshell here. Mm -hmm. The guy is really, really hard to tackle. And I don't know if the Jets have any linebacker or defensive back who's fast enough to keep up with Lamar Jackson. So they are going to have to be extremely disciplined in their rush lanes to keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket. No doubt about that. I'm sure that's been a point of emphasis at practice and will continue to be before uh, the lead-up to week one there. We're talking with Rich Samini. Whenever Zach Wilson gets back on the field and in that huddle, um, we know that he's still trying to put all the pieces together. It's his second year. You know, he's hoping for a big improvement from what we saw in his rookie season. How much of a setback do you think this potentially is him having to miss, which could end up being, you know, upwards of a month, being away from the team, off the practice field, not getting those reps, so on and so forth? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just huge, Dan, because he's, you know, he's such a young player. You know, he only started 13 games last year, and uh, he missed a lot of training camp. He missed the three joint practices. He missed two preseason games. And now he's going to miss more more regular season practice time probably, and so it, it's a really big setback. So when he does come back, you remember last year in the Houston game when he came back after missing a few games with the sprained knee. You know he was really rusty in that Houston game. They ended up winning because Houston is terrible, but right. he was really rusty, and it probably probably took him a couple of three games before he got his legs under him. And so I think it'll be the case again. Uh, I've talked to some quarterbacks recently about coming off knee injuries and, and just, you know, the, the fear of a quarterback who's coming off a knee surgery is just all the, all the bodies that are falling at his legs in the pocket. And so gaining the trust in your it's regaining the trust in your knee, it's not something that just happens overnight. So this is going to be an entirely different physical and mental process that he's going to have to go through. I'll close with this one. Would you say, and I don't want to, you know, I know you're going to do your season right up and prediction and all that stuff here, but would you say that it would be a disappointment if this team is not playing meaningful games, let's say, by the time Thanksgiving rolls around? Oh, it would be a major disappointment. I mean, even Joe Douglas said that today when we spoke to him. I mean, that's, that's kind of his stock line is we want to be playing meaningful games in December. Well, look at, look at up the standings for the last few years. Pretty much every team except maybe four or five teams are playing meaningful games in December. So if the Jets are not one of those 27 or 8, 28 teams, then something's wrong. I mean, I get it. They're still rebuilding to a certain degree, but you, got, you, got, you can't be eliminated by Halloween again or, or Thanksgiving. you got to be playing for something. And if they're not, then I think it's a major disappointment. <laughs> Halloween? How about Columbus Day, Rich? <laughs> well, I, I mean, you make, you make a great point. Dan, the Jets have lost 12 straight games in the month of September. Exactly. So if if they could get if they could get a win in September and just, you know, carry that into October, they'd be ahead of the game. But as, as everybody knows, it's, it's a really tough schedule, those first four games against the AFC North. So um, it's going to be tough. But you know what? Everything's tough in the NFL. 
the Jets have a better roster than last year. I think that's pretty obvious. Now it's time to go out and produce. And we'll start to get our answers soon here in less than two weeks. Rich, appreciate a couple of minutes, my friend, as always. Uh, We'll see you out there next week when we get this thing rolling for real. But thanks for hopping on the show. Look forward to seeing you out there, Dan. Thanks. All right, there's Rich Samini. He covers the Jets for ESPN. He's also the host of the Flight Deck podcast. His new episode is up with Sauce Gardner, number four overall pick. And, boy, Sauce is uh, already becoming a little bit of a big star here in this city. And you know what? He's a big star. That means he's validating it on the field, and that's what the Jets hope, certainly, uh, and the fans as well. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. We'll take some football calls when we return. And, yes, it's going to happen, folks. Timmy Trumpet is going to Blair tonight at City Field. The Mets are going to head to the ninth inning with a lead. As crazy as it sounds, it is going to happen. We'll update you on everything else going on, too. Stan Gross at 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more More than than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Uh, As far as the events of the night, Mets with a 2-1 lead in the bottom of the eighth, trying to see if they could tack on an insurance run against the Dodgers. And at the very least, Timmy Trumpet is going to blare tonight. It will will be played live. Diaz is going to get his chance to see if he can lock down an important win for the Mets, an important win for Jacob deGrom, who was once again brilliant this evening. So you hope that that is the case. Um, so we'll see what happens here over the next little while. We'll keep you up to date. As far as the tennis is concerned, it's shaping up to be a good one. Third deciding set with Serena. She was up a quick break on Contevit, except Contevit broke back in the third game. So now they're on serve. Contevit serving 1-2 in the third and deciding set out there at Arthur Ashe Stadium. And the Mets and Dodgers are indeed going to the ninth inning. 2-1 Things Mets. are happening at night. Things are they always happen tonight. That's why we're doing the show. And there's our buddy Timmy Trumpet, as I see on TV. We'll we'll actually turn the sound around and play it for you. Um, you know, after it happens here, just so so you can get a feel of what it sounded like. Let's go to the phones. Let's say hi to Lonnie in Harlem. He is our good pal. He's up next here on ninety-eight seven ESPN. Lonnie, how are you? Hey, 
Dan the man, what's up? Once again, you already know. Sorry I'm not calling all the way in from Liechtenstein, but listen, Harlem is here with you. Also, want to get my We quick... target Harlem more than Liechtenstein anyway, so it's all good. Oh, but we got to be global. You're Dan the man. You're the global guy. You, you get people to call in from all over the world, that's, baby. That's true. That is true. But you know what? We're, we're still doing our thing, and those people all around the world, they're, they're eating up the show. Eating up the show. And it, Right. They're getting the podcast, right? That's it, baby. All right. Well, listen, of course, got to give a big shout-out to my people, the company. Now, Dan, I was on the phone with Harvey, who was also a Giants fan. Mm-hmm. The man, Kenny Galladay, is stealing money, okay? He basically played 60 snaps in the prison and only had one catch for about six yards, right, I believe? Like, Dan, come on. Kenny Galladay couldn't get open if you left him in the dance hall by himself. I mean, where's the separation, dude? I mean, Gettleman, who's another person who just robbed New York blindly, the man promised us hog mollies. We barely got pigs in the blanket over here. Like, with a ski the, mask. For the last Rob, robbed years. you with a ski mask. No, 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 no. A ski Dan, mask. He walked, Dan, he walked into the office, gun out, and said, give me the money. There was no ski mask. <laughs> Boston accent and all of that, all right? And, I mean, like, and then they let him get this farewell tour for what? I mean, we, we had people, we had quarterbacks and, and coaches out there doing sneaks from the, from our own goal line. This is what this man put together. He put Joe Judge together. Then he he became Reed Richards when he decided to reach for Daniel Jones. I never knew somebody be, can, can literally become Mr. Fantastic. The reach he put out for that. I mean, come on, man. And then not to say that I don't like Saquon Barkley because I think he is a good player. He just has, you know, the the injury bug from time to time. But drafting him second, you destroyed the team right there doing that. Can I say this, Lonnie? Lonnie, let me say this real quick. And, And you're not wrong about anything you just said. You're not wrong about anything you said. I actually think, I actually think Saquon is going to have a better year than people think. I think he listen, Dan. I think he's gonna have a good year too. The way he's talking, this man sounds determined to run through a wall, and that's what we need because we need him to basically be the blanket to to, to our six pick overall over there, who doesn't seem to get the job done because he gets banged up too. But listen, I'm a Giants fan through and through, and I'll be here forever, Dan. Thank you for taking my call. I've done what I came to done. Lonnie, you be good, my friend. You get back to us. Um... Here's the thing about Galladay. I'm not going to sweat too much what happened in the preseason, what didn't happen in the preseason. And I know that that clip from Sunday's game against the Jets where he was, you know, a downfield blocker and he basically, like, punted on the play. Like, he, he wanted no part of the play. Didn't engage, didn't do anything. It was almost like he was afraid to get hurt. Like, he was afraid to get touched or something. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, I'm not going to sit here. Remember. Giants cut the dude who was the leading receiver in the NFL in the preseason. Because they realize, you know, all things are not created equal in August, right? They're not going to hold what happened in training camp to Kenny Galladay. And I know that Brian Dayball said some things after the game on Sunday and then Monday about, well, you know, nobody is guaranteed a roster position. We're going to evaluate everybody and so on. There was no way they were cutting Kenny Galladay. Now, I don't know what's going to happen after this year, but it wasn't going to be just after, you know, a few preseason games and, you know, some practices that was going to determine his fate. Galladay's fate is going to be determined what he does now over the next 17 weeks. 
and if he produces or not, and if he lives up to the money that this organization is paying him, which, look, is a lot of money, and it's probably more than he even deserves. I mean, it would be easy. You know, like, when I look back at Galladay last year, it would be a lot easier to sit here and kind of make excuses for what he did and maybe, like, hold out hope if he was injured, right? And if he missed, let's say, half the season. He's like, oh, well, he was hurt. You know, if he was out there, maybe he would have been more productive. And, you know, you give him a pass because he wasn't on the field. Let's see if he can go out there and, you know, play every game this time around. But he pretty much played the whole damn season. I mean, he only missed a couple of games. And he did nothing. Imagine that guy, like that guy, as talented as he is, how much money you're paying. And he didn't even find the end zone last year. Didn't even, I mean, I know the Giants were bad. Didn't even find the end zone. I mean, that is, like, hard to do. Like, really, really hard to do. And I told you, I I thought the world of this dude when he was with the Lions. And he can't tell me it's just because, you know, Matthew Stafford was there that he was a completely different wide receiver as opposed to, you know, Daniel Jones and whoever the hell was throwing him passes last season. I mean, I can't even remember all the yo-yos the Giants had. But it's got to change. Enough with the excuses, enough with, you know, they're rebuilding and a new staff and they don't have this and they don't have that. They got to produce. And the Mets have just beaten the Dodgers 2-1. to one. Edwin Diaz needed nine freaking pitches in the ninth inning to close out the Dodgers. There you go. Play it. Play it. Jake DeGrom for seven. Adam Adovino in the eighth. Edwin Diaz, a 1-2-3-9, and Timmy Trumpet in the house. I sound like such a fraud, don't I? Because I hated the whole Timmy Trumpet idea. And, and thank God, thank God, they didn't have to eat crow if they couldn't get the ball to Diaz again. There you go. There you go. And you know what? Star of the game, despite the fact that the Grom went out there and just dealed Brandon Nimmo. That catch, you are going to see that thing till the end of eternity. Robin Justin Turner in that home run. That was an incredible, incredible catch. And look at what time it is, boys and girls. How many times are we going to talk about one of the baseball locals be done a half an hour before our show is done on any given night? Think about that. It's 9.30 and the game is over. (laughs) The baseball game ended before the tennis did, before Serena's match did. She's actually in good shape right now. She's up break 4-1 in the in third. Who would have thought? But a good win for the Mets. We'll come back and talk about that. More of your phone calls, 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Yanks about to get underway. We'll have a few words about Aaron Judge, too, in this home run record chase pursuit as well. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. That's live Timmy Trumpet. That's not the record. That's not what they're blaring over the speakers there at City Field. That's Timmy Trumpet in the house a little while ago, ushering Edwin Diaz out from the bullpen to lock down the ninth inning for the New York Metropolitans this evening. Nine pitches, six strikes. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Mets two, Dodgers one taking care of business and snapping this little mini two-game funk that they found themselves in. And, hey, now you got a good rubber match tomorrow afternoon. Chris Bassett against Clayton Kershaw. Big game. You're back to being 35 games over 500. And at least momentarily, you got a a three-and-a-half game lead on the Braves, even though they have a 3 nothing lead on Colorado. So they'll eat up that half game, you figure, momentarily. But a good win all around. DeGrom did what he had to do. Marte giving you some pop again with the home run. All right. You're still not in love with the fact that this offense really is not anything that scares any teams. But for one night, all was right with the world because you had your ace. You got the ball to Mr. Diaz, little Timmy Trumpet mixed in. And you know what? Maybe maybe the baseball gods weren't paying attention tonight. Maybe the baseball gods had a, had a pickup game themselves down at the old Sandlot someplace, and they weren't watching Mets-Dodgers. Because I told you, it just when you, when you bring in Timmy Trumpet to have him play, you're assuming Diaz is going to have a save situation. To do that against the Dodgers of all teams is pretty you-know-what. And it bit the Mets last night, but they were fortunate this evening that Timmy had a free night and a clear schedule. He was able to come back. And they were able to get the ball to Diaz and to win the game. So all is well. And we'll uh, hopefully get some postgame reaction maybe before uh, we say goodbye tonight. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Let's say hi to Richard. He's in Manhattan. He's up next here on the Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. Richard, how are you? Hi, Dan. Dan, Timmy should go right across the street and go and uh, do something for Serena now. That's Probably, right? Who And, and uh, Richard, who would have thought, if I would have told you, you know, what ends first, you know, the Met game or a three-set women's match, you would have said the women's tennis, of course, and yet they're still out there playing. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Maybe a two-and-a-half, three-hour match, too. You know, I, I don't think it's so cool Alonzo breaking bats over his, uh, his uh, you know, on his thigh. Uh, well, it, he doesn't it, get it's not a good look for an athlete to break something or, you know, destroy something that is his bread and butter. You know, I used to look at tennis players, throw their rackets or break their rackets, and I say, wow, isn't that crazy? That's your bread and butter. You know, it's like a mechanic taking his, you know, his uh, tool or something, anything. Any, anybody, anybody who makes their well, money. Well, you remember who the first one to do that was, right? It was Bo Jackson. 
Remember, oh, was and everybody thought it was Bo because he's superhuman strength guy. But... Yeah. I mean, it, it, the first time is good, but after that, I don't think it looks so cool. Uh, just a couple things before I get to a Yankee point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's 16 NFL games the first week. Take a guess, Dan, how many home dogs there are. Home dogs. Um, I don't know the schedule off the top of my head as far as week one. I will say, well, given the fact that the Jets are one of them, um, maybe a handful. Well, you think half? No, I'd say maybe like five. You're wrong. Double. Ten. Really? Yeah, and you know what else is surprising? The spreads are only from one and a half to eight and a half. So it's only a seven-point window, 16 games. You really see that. So Nothing eight and a half eight. is the most lopsided most. game. Yeah, and this week. Yeah. And, and, and Jets Jets are what, a seven-point dog, if I'm not mistaken? Six and a half or six. Six and a half, okay. Seven. Yeah. All right, let me ask you something. You really see the post criticize a baseball decision, you know, especially a boom decision or a player decision. But they did two nights ago. I'll set it up for you. Yankees have first and third, one out. Mm-hmm. LeMayu up. Mm-hmm. LeMayu opted to bunt the run in, a suicide, not a suicide, a safety squeeze. So you got the run in, but you made the out. You moved the man from first to second. You took the Awful bat out decision. of judge's hand. So you ended up with first and second, two out, and Ben Detendi up with a run in your pocket. I like that. I think that's a better option than first and third, one out, Lemieux, uh, LeMayu, and uh, judge up. What would you, and I think also, if you ask 50 Yankee fans, 25 would tell you I'd rather have to run in my pocket first and second than attendee up than first and third, one out, no run in my pocket, but LeMayu and judge up. What would you rather have, Dan? I thought it was an awful decision. I talked about it last night. You know why, Richard? Two things. Number one, all right, LeMayu, and even though he's struggling, LeMayhew's a guy, and this lineup is struggling, first and foremost. You're still talking about a guy that you're hitting at the top of the order who somebody's supposed to produce runs for you and get big hits, not drop down bunts. That used to drive me crazy when guys like Carlos Beltran, who was batting, you know, third, used to just drop down bunts. Dude, you're getting paid to produce runs. Secondly, to your point, yes, it was a sacrifice. It also opened up first base which meant the Angels had an easy decision to intentionally walk Aaron Judge. You took the bat out of Judge's hands. He's the only guy, the biggest threat you have in your lineup. That's why I hated the play. Okay, let me interrupt you. So you are really, really, what you're not, you're not realizing because you're over the board on Judge, disrespecting Ben Attendee, your number three hitter. You're saying, I don't want you up with first and second two out. I can't depend on you. That's number one. Number two, when, when the LeMayu hit a sacrifice fly, it would have been the same effect, almost, and he wouldn't have got the man from first to second. Now, LeMayu came back to the dugout. He got high-fived by everybody. So they the don't Yankee players baseball. didn't think it was a bad thing. He brought because, the run in. But they don't so think of it that way, like us. Decision. But you're Richard, saying are two things. You don't think Ben Attendee is dependable first and second and two out. You're mm-hmm. number three hitter. So you're saying your number three hitter can't get the run in. More than you're saying Lemire, you as a leadoff hitter, should be able to do more than that. I'm saying I trust Aaron Judge way more than I do Andrew Benintendi. And, Richard, thank you for the phone call. That's the bottom line. And I think any Yankee fan will tell you the same thing. Don't judge it by the guys in the dugout. Remember, they're all on the same team. They're all God's children. They're all one family. They're not going to sit there and look at it as it's an indictment on this guy or that guy. They pull for everybody. Remember, this is the same group of guys that pulled for Joey Gallo when he was an automatic strikeout when he was here. You know what I mean? 
So, yeah, if you're asking me uh, who would I rather have up in that spot, Aaron Judge or Andrew Benintendi, I know Benintendi has kind of come on of late, but generally speaking, his time as a New York Yankee, has it been positive or has it been negative? It's been a disappointment, right? He's only now just starting to turn things around maybe in the last week or so where he's producing runs and he's a guy that maybe you feel a little comfortable with, you know, hitting the ball out of the ballpark, great. But if you're giving me my druthers, a Benintendi who may or may not be rounding into form or a guy who's the MVP of the freaking league, put the bat in judges' hands. And I just, I, just, I, I know, like so many guys do this. And I don't know if it's a smart baseball play, especially what you're being like. DJ LeMay, who's getting paid by the Yankees to produce runs, to drive in runs. It's one of their best hitters, not to drop down bunts. Like Lindor does that stuff with the Mets, too. Like, dude, they're paying you $340 million not to drop down bunts, to drive in runs. I hate when guys do that. You know, that's something the number eight hitter should do or the number nine hitter should do. The expectations are minimized for those guys. Not your main run producer. Swing the damn bat. 800-919-3776 is the telephone number. Serena's in good shape, and Serena just won the match. How about, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. That was the best match she's played in years, plural. Plural. And I'm a tennis groupie. I know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm not jumping on the bandwagon like a lot of these yo-yos you see on social media all night, which drive me crazy. The, you know, the, the two Serena matches are the only two matches they've watched in the last you know, five years just because it's like the it thing. It's the best match she's played in two years. And I'm shocked that the second-ranked player in the world did not have a level high enough to be able to take her out tonight. And I said that once she lost that second set, I didn't think she was going to have it in her to pull it out in three because her fitness or conditioning is not where it ideally would be on this stage because she's played so little tennis. I'm shocked at how she got through that third set. And she got through the third set quickly. It's not like one of those that dragged out and it was a tiebreaker or anything like that. She won it rather routinely. I'm not willing to say that we're talking, you know, Jimmy Connors, 1991, and we have one of those situations on our hands. You know, when he was 39 years of age and he went all the way to the semifinals that year and, you know, the fan favorite and got the crowd going and all that stuff. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But you know what? I didn't think she was getting a round three either. And she's got a match on Friday. It's going to be Friday night. Tomorrow night, she's playing doubles with her sister, on the night session at Arthur Ashe Stadium. So you're looking at Serena probably Wednesday night, Thursday night with her sister, and Friday night in the singles back at Arthur Ashe. I haven't seen the draw. I don't know who she plays next, but wow. She is one win away from making it to the first weekend, which in the past you used to take for granted. I mean, it was a given. It would be an upset if she didn't, but now it's an upset that she's here. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Dan Grosser with you. 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's Chris Fowler on ESPN, and he's a thousand percent right, as I said. I mean, that's the best match Serena Williams has played in in years, plural, plural. And she needed to be her best tonight. She just took out the second seed, Annette Contevit, second round at Arthur Ashe Stadium, in three sets, six two in that final set there, and played great tennis. You know, little little bit of a throwback performance, but now it gets even harder. You know, this is think about it with each successive match. And she plays Aya Tomlanovich, uh, an Australian, in the third round on Friday. That's a winnable match for her. She can win that match. Um, but this is also the most tennis that she has played consecutively in a while, the fact that she keeps winning in this tournament. So you wonder if it's going to catch up, you know, all the, the, the grinding and the practice and the, you know, it, it takes a toll, especially for somebody who has not been playing as much over the last couple of years here. So it's a good, st- it's a good story already. It's a good story already. And the fact that you won a couple of matches there. Look at Tiger Woods in the house. Everybody. See, now all the frauds who show up because they want to be there, you know, potentially the Serena Farewell, who wouldn't know, you know, a tennis ball if it fell on them. Now they're going to have to scramble. You know, like Seal is going to have to scramble to get some tickets. He's going to have to try to get a kiss from a rose and see if there's a ticket inside of it for Friday night at Arthur Ashe Stadium. He may or may not be able to make that happen. Who knows? Tiger will find a way to, to, to get a couple of ducats. I, I think he can pull it off. I don't know about Seal. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep you posted when we come back tomorrow. We'll check in and see if Seal was able to get those tickets for the U.S. Open on Friday. I don't know. Maybe he's going to call in a favor. We shall see. I'm going out there this weekend. The last person I would expect to, to – uh, or the last person I expected to be playing when I was going out there on the, the, the first weekend was going to be Serena Williams. I'll be quite honest with you. You know, but she's still got still got one more match to win before she gets to the weekend, but she could win that match. She totally could win that match. Coming up on Friday, and I mean 99% that it's going to be Friday night against Tomjanovic there in third round action. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. Um, Mets win tonight. That was the other big story happening in Flushing Meadows. They hold off the Dodgers 2-1. to one. Jacob DeGrom, supreme, as you would expect. Seven innings, three hits, one earned run. He gave up a solo shot to Mookie Betts. Nine strikeouts, and he did it all in 93 pitches. But the highlight play of the game, no, it's not Timmy Trumpet. Highlight was in the seventh inning. I think it was the seventh, sixth or the seventh inning, whatever. But Justin Turner, former Met, hitting a deep drive to center field, and Brandon Nimmo did this. Turner drives one to center, chasing Nimmo back to the warning track, right at the fence. He made the catch! Oh, wow! 
The catch of the year for Brandon Nimmo. He took a home run away from Justin Turner. No other way around it. Catch of the year, and if you haven't had a chance to see it yet, stop what you're doing. Pull over to the side of the road. Take out your phone and check it out. The Mets tweeted it out themselves. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal play. And given the tenor of the situation with the game, I mean, think about it. It's a tie game. That's a tie game, and who knows if we're sitting here talking about a Met win. We might still even be playing baseball. Nimmo doesn't make that catch. We have no Timmy Trumpet. Timmy Trumpet happened because of Brandon Nimmo. Think about that. So all the Timmy Trumpet fans, the Narco fans, thank Brandon Nimmo tonight. That is why you got the live performance. Oh, and what a performance it was. Kidding. Kidding. Um, But a good Met win nonetheless, and tomorrow, 4 o'clock game, It'll be Bassett and Kershaw. And you know what kind of Kershaw you're going to get. He hasn't thrown a pitch since, I think, like August 2nd was his last start. So he's probably on a pitch count. And Dodgers, more so than any other team, they are extremely, extremely careful with these arms. So, I mean, Kershaw might only be a five-inning pitcher tomorrow. And then they got to turn it over to the bullpen. So if you're the Mets, get to him early and then maybe get him out of that game there uh, with Bassett on the mound and win the game and win the series. And then you welcome in the stinky Nationals for the weekend there at City Field. Yankees, on the other hand, and that's a 4 o'clock game, so by the time we get on the air, we'll probably know what happened or what's going to happen with the Mets and the Dodgers in that series finale. Yankees are underway, scoreless after one against the Halos out there in Anaheim. So um, Garrett Cole on the mound tonight. You expect a big one from him. At least you would like to think so. Um, Here's a little bit of Serena post-match interview on court with Mary Jo Fernandez of ESPN. Take a little bit of a listen to this. You know, it's, it's no rush here. I'm just, uh, I'm loving this crowd. And um... oh. oh my goodness, it's, it's really fantastic. So um, I, there's still a little left in me. We'll see the next, we'll see. And she proved it. She proved there was something left. Yeah, it was a fantastic performance. I, I, I can't say enough, seriously. And I've seen them all, you know? I've seen all the matches. That was, that was, you know, borderline vintage. Borderline vintage tonight, given the circumstances. And given the opponent she was going up against, it was a great performance. And if you're a diehard Serena fan, guess what? You, you got your money's worth of running in this tournament. Because when you hear, oh, yeah, I'm going to play the U.S. Open, you hope for the best, but realistically, you... Don't want it to go like the other Grand Slam she was in when she lost in the first round, right? You already got your money's worth. Got a great night. Took out the two seed. Good tournament. That's going to be it for us. Hope you got your money's worth from us. I think we did a good job delivering. Thanks to Harvey Cruz and to Tom Bauer. They were outstanding, as always, putting the show together. Rich Samini of ESPN joining us to talk a little New York Jets football. We'll be back tomorrow at 7, another big show for you. But keep it tuned right here to 98.7 because Anita Marks is going to take you for the rest of the evening. Enjoy yourselves, everybody. Dan Gross is saying so long, and we'll do this baby again on Thursday night. Bye-bye. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.